Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tates Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. Today is Palm Sunday, the beginning of what Christians refer to as Holy Week, and of course I've been thinking about how to preach these traditional themes in light of this current crisis, and it was honestly Palm Sunday that I was struggling with the most. Uh, Certainly the somberness and seriousness of Maundy Thursday and Good Friday fit this hour, and Honestly, we will probably be able to relate to those in some uh, unique ways. And I'm really excited for Easter. Uh, Granted, we are going to miss that Sunday more than any of them, I'm assuming. But from a preacher's perspective, I cannot wait to preach Jesus risen from the dead amid so much crisis and death. Easter, I think, is what our world is longing to hear. But what am I supposed to do with Palm Sunday? What is Jesus on a donkey riding into Jerusalem with crowds waving palm branches have to do with a global pandemic? But the more I meditated on it, the more I realized that we might need the message of Palm Sunday more than any other. There is one word that is the central refrain of Palm Sunday. It conveys the central message of Palm Sunday. A word that you have already sung, a word that you have already confessed in our liturgy, but a word nonetheless that I'm wondering if you are prepared to embrace. Hosanna. Hosanna is the cry of the desperate, the confession of the helpless, the plea of the powerless, And so one could only assume that never have we felt Hosanna more than locked down in a global pandemic. In some ways, our entire world is crying Hosanna this Palm Sunday, whether we know it or not. And yet at the same time, I'm not sure we're ready for Hosanna, at least Hosanna on God's terms. And this is what I want us to explore together today. We're going to see that Hosanna is actually something very difficult to embrace. And we're going to see that in two ways. The challenge to admit Hosanna and the challenge to accept Hosanna. Let's start with the difficulty to admit Hosanna. Look at verse 9. I read the entire story for context's sake, but the majority of our time will just focus on this one verse and that famous cry of Palm Sunday. It says, And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, 
Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So obviously the word Hosanna is prominent here, which is why it is so prominent in Palm Sunday tradition. But what does it even mean? Well, Hosanna literally means God save us. It was known among Israel as the ultimate cry of desperation, which, if we are honest with ourselves, is the cry that we fear the most. Hosanna demands humility, poverty, inability, weakness, neediness, all these things that we hate to admit. In short, Hosanna, God save us, forces us to tell the truth about ourselves, the truth we fear to face. Something that is important to understand but isn't as obvious in our passage is that not everyone greeted Jesus with the shouts of Hosanna. The text says that those who were before him and those followed him were shouting Hosanna. But we also know that there were others on the outskirts of this whole spectacle who refused to join the refrain. In fact, they were condemning the shouts of Hosanna. Luke's gospel focuses more on that part of the crowd and tells us that they were indignant over the whole scene, even rebuking Jesus for not stopping the cries of Hosanna. So we typically think of Palm Sunday as a crowd, particularly children, in unison, shouting Hosanna in the highest, but that's not the case. Many were, but others were not. And what divided the two was not just their view of Jesus, but their view of themselves. Of course, their refusal to shout Hosanna to Jesus had implications for what they thought about Jesus. They did not think that Jesus was worthy the cry of Hosanna, but it also had implications for what they thought about themselves. Luke tells us that it was the Pharisees who were rebuking the crowd for shouting Hosanna. And if you are at all familiar with the Gospels, then you know this is nothing new for the Pharisees. They, they play the role of and the antagonists in the Gospel. And because of this, one might expect that they were really bad and evil people. But what we see is that they are the antagonists of the story, not because of their badness, but because of their goodness at least their perceived goodness. Every encounter with Jesus that we see in the Gospels always turns into a a Hosanna moment, meaning a moment of desperation crying out to Jesus in a Hosanna-like way. But the Pharisees are the glaring exception. They viewed themselves as righteous and right, as in, we don't need you, Jesus, you need us. And so while Jesus was loved by so many, to the Pharisees and certainly other religious leaders, Jesus was offensive and threatening. So what we see in the Gospels is that Jesus was fiercely loved and Jesus was fiercely hated. And the dividing line was Hosanna. How people viewed themselves and their need of Jesus. And nowhere is this dividing line clearer than Palm Sunday, as some shout Hosanna and others scorn Hosanna. And what this does is invite, might I go so far as to say, demand that all of us decide this day where we stand with Hosanna. Now, I know 
particularly if you're a Christian, I know you know what you're supposed to say here. The right answer is, of course, Hosanna. But I want to press in on that a bit because I think we underestimate the challenge of admitting Hosanna. It goes against everything we are conditioned to believe. Our world values strength. Hosanna is a declaration of weakness. Our world values competency. Hosanna is a declaration of incompetence. Our world values independence. Hosanna is a declaration of dependence. Do not underestimate the challenge of Hosanna, for it demands you abandon all that you are taught to pursue. But this is why a pandemic is so helpful to a Palm Sunday sermon, because it's this unique moment in time where a world that values self-sufficient strength is forced to admit what is always true but easily hidden. We're not strong after all. We're actually weak and desperate people. If our world can't cry Hosanna in this hour, then when can we? But what's amazing is that even now, in our desperation, I still sense a resistance to Hosanna. I sense a hunger, hunker down, get through this season of collective weakness until we can all emerge once again to our lives of competent strength. Friends, I urge you not to waste this moment. This moment is telling us the truth about ourselves. The helplessness, the dependency, the uncertainty, the day-by-day, hour-by-hour desperation that you feel. This is how things always are. And God is graciously forcing us to see that this is so. So in light of that, perhaps a word to those listening in who have never come to the breaking point of shouting Hosanna. God save me. And perhaps in this hour of panic, you are as close as you have ever been. May I plead with you not to waste this hour. Before the curve is flattened, before the market comes back, before a vaccine is discovered and you're able to get on with life as you know it, may I suggest to you that this actually is life as you know it but you just don't know it. So rather than endure this season of desperation, what if you chose instead to give in to the desperation? What if you looked back on the COVID-19 pandemic as the very thing that finally got you to give up the charade of strength and shout Hosanna? You know what I think? I think deep down you're dying to say it. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how educated you are, how moral you are, how strong you are, how gifted you are. I don't care. I think deep down right now, you know it's all fake. I think you're exhausted trying to prove your own worth and strength. And there is something inside that wants the relief of giving up and giving in to Hosanna in the highest. God, save me. That's admittedly tough, but I can tell you from personal experience, nothing could be more freeing than giving up and giving in to Hosanna. But for those of us who have known the freedom of Hosanna, who have looked to Christ and cried, God save me, I think we still need to admit that Hosanna remains a challenge for us. Have you noticed 
that strange tendency that happens to Christians where we become ashamed of Hosanna. We actually hide our Hosanna from others. We are embarrassed by Hosanna. We hate that Hosanna remains in our life. What's wrong with me? I should be over this neediness stuff by now. Hosanna is okay for others, but I hate it in myself. I really think this is a big struggle for us, whether we know it or not. And I would would like to give some diagnostic questions to show you that this is so. How about this? Do you secretly enjoy the failures of others? You would never say it. But there is something relieving to the rumor mill of someone's downfall. Do you know why that is? Because you hate your need of Jesus, and it makes you feel good to hear that others need him, quote, even more than me. I'm bad, but at least I'm not that bad. They need Hosanna more than me. How about this question? Are your confessions and apologies deficient? Either really general, like, I'm a sinner, but I'm not going into the specifics of my sins. Or shallow, where you will um, name your failures, but not the fullness of the failures. Or your failures are always accompanied by excuses and justifications. Do you know why you do that? Because you're okay with a little bit of need, but you aren't okay with all out Hosanna. Another question, is community difficult for you? I mean, by community, I mean real community where you are truly known. Do you run from Christian community when it moves beyond the shallow and ventures into the deeper waters of vulnerability? Do you know why that is? You're afraid of what others will find there. You're afraid they will find your need of Hosanna. We could keep going with these diagnostic questions, but what they all reveal is the same thing. We're not as comfortable with Hosanna as we think. Even we, the people with Hosanna as our very creed, need to be reoriented once again to Hosanna in the highest. And Palm Sunday during a pandemic is the perfect opportunity to come back to Hosanna. What if Hosanna is not the cry of newborn Christians? It is the mature dialogue of Christian discipleship. In fact, what if Christian growth only raises the volume of our Hosanna? Brothers and sisters, I know Hosanna is hard, but please listen to me, every single one of you. It really is okay to need Jesus. What a novel concept, I know. It's okay to need Jesus every day in every way. So just admit it. Hosanna in the highest. And then trust that the cry of Hosanna will be answered. This leads us to our next challenge, not just to admit Hosanna, but accept Hosanna. And what is important to understand about the triumphal entry is that they are shouting, God save us, but they have in mind the wrong salvation. And we see this in the palm branches of all things. This is called Palm Sunday because of verse 8. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And we know from other gospels that they were waving palm branches at Jesus. Now, what is all this about? Well, the palm branch had become the Jewish national symbol. So this is a deeply patriotic moment. Look again at verse 9. Hosanna to the Son of David. Now, wrapped up in that title, are centuries of expectation. 
Son of David is a nationalistic and political title, which means they are viewing Jesus as offering them a nationalistic and political salvation. You see, Israel's hero, King David, was given a promise that God would send another in the line of David who would be the king of kings, who would reign and rule over all, and whose kingdom would have no end. That coming king became known as the son of David. But then after David, Israel suffered through terrible king after terrible king. Uh, Subsequently, things got so bad that they were taken over by other nations. And at this point in the story, um, the powerful Roman Empire was in complete control. But then comes Jesus of Nazareth, who claimed to be the king of Israel, the promised son of David, and people actually started to believe him. And his fame and power begins to spread. And now he is approaching the capital city of Jerusalem. And everyone is thinking the same thing. It's time. It is actually about to happen. What we have been waiting for for so long. He's going to save us. And Israel shall rule the world as promised. Hosanna to the son of David. But you and I know that Jesus had in mind a salvation much more substantial than that. He has come to bring ultimate salvation, not deliverance from Rome, but deliverance from the tyranny of sin, Satan, and death. He has come to bring ultimate salvation over an ultimate enemy. And this greater salvation would not look how this crowd wanted it to look. Oh, how quickly the tide of opinion would turn on Jesus. In a matter of a few days, another crowd will not be shouting, save us, but kill him. And even his most loyal friends would turn on him. What happened during this week we call Holy Week? Unmet expectations. Jesus was neither the king they wanted, nor did he bring the salvation they envisioned. They cried, God save us, but they wanted to dictate the terms of that salvation. Lord, save us, just as long as you fix what we want you to fix the way we want you to fix it. But Jesus does not work that way. He is the perfect Savior because he answers the cry of Hosanna the way we need, not the way we want. He knows what we need. He knows what is best. He sees the real problem even if we don't. And he loves us too much to forsake his plan in the name of our expectations and praise him that this is so. What would have happened if he did things the way this crowd expected him to do? Nothing but improved circumstances. Life would have gotten better for them. No more Rome prosperity for Israel, life would be good, but at what cost? No cross, no blood, no atonement, no resurrection hope, just improved circumstances. True Hosanna, true trust in Jesus is exactly that trust. Unconditional trust in the Savior. We not only cry out for salvation, but we submit to the ways of his salvation. We lay down our expectations of what we think he should do and gladly receive what he is doing, even if we can't understand. But this is so hard for us. It's one thing to admit weakness and cry out for help. It's another thing 
to trust that help. So let me ask you this. Have you cried Hosanna to Jesus? Most listening would say yes. Second question from the text this morning. Have you laid down your expectations of what that should look like and trust his plan for Hosanna? Full surrender to Hosanna is not just a cry for Jesus to do what you cannot do. It is trusting that Jesus knows what he's doing. Now we come to why this text is truly relevant in this hour of crisis. What do you want from him right now? Preserved health of you and your loved ones? A restored market? Back to your comfortable life? That's like those in the crowd shouting Hosanna to Jesus because they thought he was going to improve their circumstances and give them the life that they dreamed of. What if Hosanna doesn't go the way you expect? What if Hosanna leads to worse circumstances in your life, not better? What if Hosanna means there is no curve coming soon and this thing just goes up and up for the foreseeable future and life as we know it just keeps going down and down? What if Hosanna leads to the painful process of breaking down our empty trusts so that you trust in him alone? I think that's what God's doing. What if Hosanna divides your family? What if Hosanna costs you friendships? What if Hosanna means he never takes away the weakness, the problem, the besetting struggles that you so badly want him to remove? That's what he did to Paul. A thorn in the flesh that Paul asked repeatedly to be removed, but God said no in order to keep him weak, crying Hosanna his whole life. Are you okay with Jesus answering your Hosanna his way? Or are you dictating the terms of Hosanna? The good news is that God God loves you so much that whether you want it or not, he's just going to do it. He's too good a savior to give in to your expectations. And we know this because of what transpires during Holy Week. Today is Palm Sunday. The crowds cry out, Hosanna, God save us, and Hosanna, he will do. Not their way, his way. He says very well, you cry out, God save us, we'll save you, I shall. On Thursday, I'll be betrayed and arrested. On Friday, I'll be mocked, beaten, and hung from a tree. And on Saturday, I will be cold and lifeless in a tomb. I promise you, That is not what anybody in the crowd on Palm Sunday expected, but that's what everyone in the crowd needed. And that's what everyone in this online crowd needs. Jesus loves us all enough to answer Hosanna his way, not our way. Here's the good news of Palm Sunday. Every Hosanna shall be answered. Here is the challenge of Palm Sunday. It shall be answered his way. But does his way work? God save us. Well, was he able to pull off the salvation? And with that, I will see you back next week, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, for the definitive answer to that question. Today, it is enough to own our desperation and cry Hosanna. To admit Hosanna, 
to accept Hosanna, and in Jesus, Hosanna, we shall find. Let's pray. Lord, we don't want to admit our neediness. And even when we do, we want you to answer our cry for help on our terms. Help us to pick up the challenge of Hosanna, to accept that we need you and to trust that you know what you're doing. Even when we look around everywhere and we can't fathom what you're up to, we still trust that you are at work in all things to answer the cry, Hosanna. And so it is enough to just cry out to you now and to trust you with that answer. And Lord, as we now go through this holy week in this unconventional way, we pray that we would see how good you are at answering the cry of Hosanna. Lord, we long for Easter. We long to get there. But right now, you have us here in this needy hour, crying out, God, save us. May we trust in your salvation. Thank you, Jesus, that you answered this cry your way, not our way, knowing that your way is perfect and that the cross and resurrection have worked. Save us. Hosanna. God, save us. We trust you with that cry. In Jesus' name. Amen.